Scranton Mayor Paige Cognetti is in her first full term and second term overall. She's the first female mayor of the Electric City and the first person not from the region in the modern era to be elected mayor. Mayor Cognetti, welcome to News Engine. Thanks, Adam. So happy to be here. I'm thrilled that you came in. Now, you didn't have a direct path to Scranton. You kind of took the long way. You grew up in Beaverton, Oregon. You graduated from the University of Oregon, spent some time in Japan. I'm going to need to take a breath in the middle of this. <laughs> Came back to the States, worked on a few congressional campaigns, worked on a few presidential campaigns, worked at the U.S. Treasury, graduated from Harvard Business School, moved to Scranton, was appointed to Scranton School Board, worked for the Attorney General's office, then ran for mayor. And in between all of that, you got married and had a baby. Is there anything I missed? Sounds about <laughs> sounds about right. It was uh, a couple things missing, but they're they're inconsequential. <laughs> I hit the highlights. Yeah. So that's not the typical path of a Scranton politician. Was it hard for you to break into what is a very well established and very rough and tumble world of Lackawanna County politics? When I went for the appointment uh, on the school board in late 2017, that was just weeks after then Auditor General De Pasquale released a report about the state of the school district. And I'm sure many of the listeners to your podcast will remember the the recommendations coming out of that, that there were there's a huge amount of work that needed to be done, um, some in very short order at the Scranton School District. And so going up for that appointment, I think the district was at a, a, a tough point. And then you know, a year and a half later, when there was a surprise special election in the mayor's office, again, because the mayor is now in federal prison, that was also a, a moment, a really a, a rock bottom moment. And so those rock bottom moments, um, they're always unfortunate. Those are when you have an opportunity uh, in a community for change. And I think that my election in 2019 showed that the city really, the voters in the city wanted a new direction. They wanted someone with fresh energy and fresh ideas, um, someone who maybe didn't know everybody, right? I think I still get from many people that they're they're pleased that someone in the mayor's office is doing the work for the people and not for friends and family. And that was true, I think, not every mayor, certainly not every mayor, but from time to time, that was what how the, the mayor's office was run. It was how the school district was run. People don't deserve that. That's not how we run City Hall now. And I think that those moments were particular. And I was, you know, I've been very, very lucky to be able to serve in these positions. It's interesting because in the past, I grew up here, and I'm probably going to say I grew up here a dozen times today. <laughs> but in the past, everyone pointed to the fact that they grew up here as the reason why they should be elected or, you know, I'm local or I'm more local, but you're not. And that breath of fresh air, that was different for Scranton, certainly for the the region, but but Scranton in particular, that was that was different. Yeah, it's been it's been interesting. And I actually am friends with the mayor in my hometown, Beaverton, Oregon. I saw her a couple of weeks back. And I, we laugh because she's the mayor there. I'm the mayor here. We're both mayors. She's the mayor in my hometown. But having that different perspective from Beaverton, Oregon and all the other places I've lived, to bring that to the city of Scranton, I think, is very valuable. And what's great about being able to build a team is that you know, the team we have at the city is a, is a mix of people born and raised in Scranton and a, pe- a group of people, some of us, that, that aren't from Scranton. I think when you have a team 
you know, around the table in the different offices in these these different crisis modes that we've unfortunately had in these two years. When you have a mix of people and perspectives, that's how you make good decisions. That's how you go around the table. You disagree. You come to the the plan that fits the moment and, and does the best for the most people and is the most responsible. And you have a much more robust process if you have people that have a mix of viewpoints. So you brought the word corruption up. So I'm going to follow up on that. When you first ran for mayor, I, I remember I read an interview um, that you did. And you said it really wasn't part of anything that you grew up with in Oregon. And is the political corruption in this area that sadly we're, we're famous for, it's it's hard to shake. Does that kind of follow you everywhere you go as you try to advocate for the city? Is that something you you find yourself always talking about or have, having to explain or apologize for in any way? Is, that, is it a complicated part of what you do? It, it comes up when I talk about how I came into the role. Of course, you know, when people learn that I'm not from from here originally, they they ask for the story of, of how I, I came to be in this position. But, you know, we we mention it, we talk about we talk about these rock bottom moments and the, you know, unfortunate track record of, of people from this area and really throughout Pennsylvania and the, the northeast region of our country going, you know, being convicted of corruption. But but it's but quickly we pivot to the positive and we pivot to the future. It doesn't have to be this way. Um, you know, people do vote for good government. I think we're seeing a lot of that now. I think people are hungry for authenticity and good government and people that are going to look out for them and not forget them. And it's a, a story here in Scranton of energy and a positive outlook for the future um, in spite of the past. We don't have to dwell on the past, right? We need to just learn from it, make sure that we are building a foundation for a, a future that is good for everyone. And, you know, as, as we, we go on, we'll re- keep recruiting good candidates that want to do the same thing, want to work with us and keep proving to people that government can work for them. Because it's not just the people that run for office. It's also about people getting out to vote. It's about people building their community, feeling invested in their community. The better we do serving people at the local level, the better people are going to feel invested, the more they'll give back to their community and we'll be stronger for it. Every mayor that I can remember has talked about the financial distress that the city has been under. Um, But in recent years, things have improved. And when you ran for mayor, you said you thought it might take about a decade to rebuild the faith in government and to recover from the former mayor's scandal. So how are we progressing? You're a couple of years into it now. How do you think we're doing? We're on the right track. It's an interesting battle because it's not just about local government, right? It's it's state government, it's national, federal level, where you have varying degrees of trust. Everybody's seen the graphs. I think that the the trust level goes up as you get closer to home, uh, which is is great for us at the local level. But right now we're in this this moment where the national headlines really kind of rule over everything. So. As much as we work hard at the local level, and we're going to keep doing that every single day, you're still fighting some of those forces, right, of people not trusting at the state level or not trusting at the national level. But we have to focus on what we can control, and what we can control is how well we're serving the people of Scranton. And if we keep doing that well, if we keep taking those phone calls and then going out and ticketing that house that's not cutting their grass, if we go out and we keep you know, finding the people that have been hoarding tires in their backyard and actually take them to the magistrate. These are very specific <laughs> examples, but you know, people in Scranton know them. Um, if we keep doing a good job, um, we keep 
you know, supporting our public safety departments that are excellent, the best in this region. We keep supporting our DPW and making sure that they are safe out there and that they are able to, you know, maintain our, our flood control areas as best they can. We're going to keep fighting for funding for them. We're doing the things that are the right thing to do for our community, for our people and our future. If we keep doing that, I think that trust is going to be there. Um, so try to focus on the things you can control and we'll keep doing yeah, it. You mentioned, uh, you know, the, the local part of it, but how a lot of it filters down, uh, you know, from the state and, and national level. And you mentioned the DPW and, you know, safety and, and infrastructure. So we're going to have some money to spend, right? Um, with the, you know, the pandemic, uh, I'm going to call that an infusion of some sort. Um, and you're going to have a lot to say, uh, you and council are going to have a lot to say about um, what we do with that. Is Are there any projects in the work that's, that you can talk about yet? That Yes, we just a couple of weeks ago, uh, council passed our American Rescue Plan spending plan. So we have an outline of the $68.7 million. The first, we have the $34.5 million now. The second um, payment will come in to us uh, over the summer. So we are out the gate, and we're pretty shortly going to be releasing the grants for small businesses, for startups, for nonprofits, for um grantees to apply for education catch-up and financial literacy for recovery, addiction recovery services, for public health, for um, violence prevention. There's a host of things that we'll be putting out for um, people to apply for those grants over the summer. And a lot of what we're doing is parks. A lot of it, to the infrastructure point, is stormwater. And we've got a lot of work to do to, to put together studies to figure out how we're going to attack it. But uh, stormwater is a key piece of what the American Rescue Plan is there to cover. And we know that we've got a lot of work to do underneath us here in Scranton. So we'll be using a, a healthy chunk of the funds for stormwater. We do. And that it's an issue that in the past couple of years really seems to have for lack of a better term, bubble up. I mean, it I like is that. something that we are we are just talking about. And, the, you know, the folks over, and you're obviously well aware of what's going on um, in um, Green Ridge. But if I tune into a, a, a city council meeting, I don't know if there's a, a meeting or a discussion that happens where stormwater doesn't come up. Right. And it's not just Scranton. We hear the folks in Dunmore talking about it, Dixon City talking about it. So, mm-hmm. you know, who would have thought that stormwater is going to become such a a big thing that we're going to have to deal with. It is. It is. And it's it's a great opportunity that we have now to cooperate as a region on stormwater. So I'm really looking forward to that, to uh, Scranton and other communities in Lackawanna County working together for, you know, potentially a stormwater authority so we can attack this as a team. We know that stormwater doesn't just divert based on a county, borough, city line. So working working toward that, I'm hoping stormwater can be a, 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 a nexus point for our communities. And, and if we build the playbook around stormwater, what other things can we work on together and coordinate on together? Uh, in addition to that in parallel, our city is working with mayors across our region. We're putting together joint applications for the bipartisan infrastructure law funds. So we're putting together a, a regional uh, regional grant for electric vehicle charging stations, for microtransit. We're doing this across Wilkes-Barre, Hazleton, Pittston, Williamsport. You know, we're Scranton, obviously. We're, we're 
trying to go as a team, as a region. I'm hoping that by doing all of these things where we're working with our, our neighbors, we're building that foundation for regional coordination in a real way. Everyone has talked about regionalization. This newspaper has talked about <laughs> regionalization for decades. I'm happy to hear that it sounds like we're making a little progress there. Like we're yeah. actually talking to each other. In the, the American Rescue Plan, the bipartisan infrastructure funds, those are opportunities, right? We've got a those are opportunities that aren't just dollar signs and they're not just, okay, we're going to go fix some pipes. This is an opportunity for us to collaborate together because by ourselves at 80,000 residents, Scranton doesn't meet some of those thresholds. But if we're Lackawanna, Luzerne counties, that's you know almost 600,000 residents we're talking about. So we have to partner to do these things. I've been able to have great colleagues throughout the mayor's offices throughout our region. We actually were just all together yesterday in Harrisburg for an advocacy day. We work really well together. And I think through the pandemic, we've all gotten even closer as mayors. There was a lot on our shoulders and we weathered the storm together. And it set the stage for us to do a lot here with these funds and moving forward. I've heard you say a few things that candidates and elected officials seem to shy away from. But when you ran for mayor, you said that you wouldn't rule out a tax increase if, if we had to do that. Mm -hmm. You were being very real about it. And you recently spoke to neighbors up in the Hill section that were concerned about the Geisinger expansion. And I heard you say that, well, you explained to them that you needed to be the mayor of the whole city, not just the Hill section. And I'm not sure folks around here are used to that kind of straight talk. We really need that kind of honesty, don't we? I appreciate that. I it, I am the mayor for the whole city, and I try to go to these meetings um, and more and more frequently. It was tough coming in and then having the pandemic hit where the in-person in -person meetings were few and far between for a couple of years there, and I'm really excited to be able to be back in person with the, the different groups and neighborhoods and community organizations. But yeah, I, I'm not going to... Um, I'm not going to beat around the bush, right? I, I'm going to go into a meeting. I'm going to be honest with people. If we're not honest, talk about trust. We don't have it. If I, if I can't, if I, as a mayor in a small city, can't be honest, then why would anyone trust anybody at any level, right? So I think the trust has to come from person to person communication at the local level. If we have any hope of doing, you know, the right things for our city. And then, you know, I think that line goes very quickly up to the state and national level too. These things are, you know, I, I think these things are all intertwined. I, as you mentioned in the bio, worked on congressional campaigns. I worked on presidential campaigns and it, it really is all tied together and all comes down to being straight with people, offering them the best that you can do for them. That doesn't always mean that it's going to be what they want. Our, there are some neighbors up in the Hill section near the, you know, CMC that that aren't happy, um, and I totally understand that and I empathize with that. In terms of zoning decisions, I have to look at the bigger picture, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to communicate with them. And um, you cannot possibly do everything for everybody all the time, and you can't pretend that you can. That's that's where you get into trouble. That's a, it, that's a good way of putting it. You just you can't pretend that you can. And I think we've had a long history of. Of, of people who are just willing to tell us what we wanted to hear. Um, I'm going to talk to you about, ask you about something that, that I know you're, you're passionate about. Um, you served on the Scranton School Board for about a year, and so you're very familiar with what ails the district. There are a lot of great success stories that come out of the Scranton School District. My kids all went to the Scranton School District. I went to the Scranton School District. I, so I know how good the district can be. But there's no hiding the fact that the district is an absolute financial 
mess. Does the condition of the district work against the city when we try to market the city and recruit future residents and employees? Is the school district something that kind of hangs over you in that way? We have the same footprint. We have the same families. We have the same residents. We have the same the same economy. Uh, we have the same hopes and dreams. We are the we are one city. Just because we're two separate governmental entities um, doesn't mean that that we're somehow siloed. And I really value the fact that I was there and know many of the the people at the district and and on the board so that we have a good line of communication in working together. And, you know, with the case of the payroll tax, for example, that hasn't gotten across the the line yet, but we've had good communication about it, right? We have just on Monday, two of my team members were at the school board meeting and I presented to the school board, you know, last summer. We have that communication and We've got to have that communication because we can't pretend that we we ex- we don't coexist, which was something that a a former mayor uh, <laughs> said to me when I was on the school board. Um, I went in to ask for assistance for the school district, and the the answer was basically no, which was strange to me. I thought I could at least come out there with something, and it just we have to help each other because if we don't, what are we doing? So the idea was, in going back to that, the idea was, well, that's the school district. We're the city. That's was what was conveyed to me. Yes. Yeah, no, it's not that. It's not like that. We're, <laughs> it's not. It can't be. No, it can't be. So you know, we're we're working with the school district. We have a shared services meeting that's going to come up, but June or July, where we're going to continue to try to see where we can we can work together on many things and just support each other. I mean. Even if it's just reaching out to them during the pandemic when we were trying to make sure they had enough places to have the mobile food options when the schools were closed. Um, you know, there's just different things. As a city, we have a lot of resources. We have a lot of geographic footprint. So whenever they need something, if they do, you know, they know that we're here. And um, you know, we've got a, a lot of things that I think we can do in the future. I'm really excited about that. Um, but in terms of governance, you know, I have some concerns about the, the governance and really look forward to um, some of the hard work that I, I hope is happening there in the near term. If we can get that cleaned up, if, if we can get the school district on, on solid footing, the city becomes a, a better sell, an easier sell for folks who want to relocate here. Everybody needs to have a good school, a good school district. And and I don't think there's a knock on Scranton that it's not a good school district. I think the knock is that we just don't run it real well. It's a great school district. It's the 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 pieces around it. It's the recovery uh, you know, label. We in the city just got to to shed our distress label. That was an incredible moment. Um, you know, we want to we want the school district to be in a place where it can shed that. And they they've made great strides. They've got some great new administrators over there um, that we're in touch with and have a lot of energy. And I'm very optimistic uh, about it. But we we can't separate the two. We've got to make sure that we're supporting the school district. That we're not pretending we're two different buildings that, that are separate. I mean, we, we really are in so many ways. We are one and the same. We've got to work together. It's it's just the most important thing, really. I mean, if we're not educating our kids, if we're not providing what we need to for our kids, you know, what are we doing? You and your husband have a baby. Shortly after that, you're sworn in for your first term. And a few months later, we're battling a pandemic. So you've got a new job uh, running the city. You've got a new baby. And now we are in a pandemic, 
it sounds like an insane amount of stuff <laughs> to juggle. And and certainly for a, a first-time mayor and a first-time mom, uh, how did you power through that period, especially that first year? It has to be a blur. The answer is my mother, who dropped me off here at the studio <laughs> and is picking me up in an hour. Um, my mom was here uh, for the you know the birth of, of, of Sloan and for the first three months. And then the, the three months became about seven months because of the pandemic. And really, she's been living here with us most of the time. And our multi-generational household makes it all work. I really, and now that that's been our experience uh, with being parents, I, we, we really can't go back. So my, <laughs> my dad's my dad's by himself in Oregon for about 10 months out of the year now. So when the phone rings, you answer and it's, <laughs> Paige, when are you sending her home? Do you, do you ever feel like the pandemic got in the way of any or even a lot of the work you wanted to do in your first term? It's hard to answer that question because it, just became the circumstance and we actually got a lot of things done quicker than we would have if not for the pandemic. So if you take the pandemic away, I think we would have gone quickly on some things. There's it's actually like the technology piece getting, you know, permitting online. Those things went quicker because we had to because of the pandemic. So it's it's hard to to you know, disaggregate those variables, but we, we were able to do a lot of technology advances because of the need, because of the urgency of the pandemic, which actually I think has served us well, because we've now in, you know, less than two years, we, we have, we launched OpenGov and both internally for our teams, they're working much better, much more quickly. And then externally, we're working on having a fully, you know, a fully transparent, really interface for this for city residents well they'll be able to see a lot more of what we're doing so that it actually in some ways i try to find these silver linings that was one of those silver linings it's been hard from a like a management perspective both with our teams and with the public haven't had as much of the the in-person communication as i planned the most thing i remember coming into the job and makes sense since i had a child two weeks before i was sworn in i was so (laughs) most excited about about kids and seeing kids and speaking in schools and, and talking to kids and and we haven't been able to do that to the point that I would like to but hey we we've got we've got time now we I think we're coming out of this pandemic for the most part and we'll, we'll be able to ramp up a lot of that in person engagement I thought you made a valiant effort with the the weekly Facebook town meetings but I also wondered out loud while it was going on you know I'm thinking who's the audience for that? I I know it's citizens of Scranton, but I thought that was a little bit of a tough sell because not everyone in Scranton is, is, you know, the older population. I'm just not sure that that was the best venue. And I thought you got robbed a little bit of that one-on-one, that in-person, you know, that a mayor typically gets, like you said, you go out to the schools, you're at the rotaries, you're, you know, uh, you get out in public. And I thought, wow, you kind of don't have a choice, but to, but to do the Facebook live thing, uh, but that's not really what you wanted to be doing. But we can now, so we're okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have to, I have to bring this up. Uh, so your mom, you're a mayor. You've got to be troubled by the countless mass shootings that are going on in this country. And it's every parent's nightmare just to imagine that any of our children would be in a situation like what unfolded in Uvalde. And I have to imagine that as a mayor and a mom, that you worry and fear about school safety constantly. It just can't ever be far from your mind. Uh, it's not. You, I'm wearing my We Can End Gun Violence pin now, which I've been wearing 
every day. I think I have a few of these, but for some reason, the I think it's the Mayors Against Illegal Guns. Um, I'm part of that coalition. They sent a new pin, and it arrived the day of Uvalde. Um, and so that's the, the pin that I've been wearing ever since. Um, it is never, really, truly never far from my mind. I, mean, I think, honestly, the last couple of weeks, it's pretty much been on my mind the entire time. Uh, we're trying to approach it in a few different ways. Uh, the legal team, we, we already, as a city, had um, signed amicus briefs for various lawsuits against the state legislature to be able to have local gun laws. That's something we've been doing since the very beginning of my tenure. We're keeping in doing that uh, along with, with a variety of organizations. Um, you know, we are preempted by state law from a whole host of, of things that I believe would keep our residents safer. I can't ban guns at city parks or city hall, any city property. Um, there's these things that I think people just assume that one could do um, as the, the leader of a city, and we don't have that ability. So there's there's those pieces. What, what Are there any things that we can do f- from an ordinance perspective? And for the ones that we can't, how do we advocate better? So you know, we've done some advocacy as mayors. You'll see that ramp up for PA mayors specifically. I'm part of the U.S. Conference of Mayors. That is a, a big national effort as well, where there was a, an article actually in the, the Times the other day that covered the a letter that we all signed again um, just last week that was the same letter that had gone out in 2019 and I think years before that. You know, this, the, the drumbeat is there, and we're always trying to think of other ways that we can advocate like I said, we're down in, in – um, I was with other mayors in Harrisburg yesterday um, on a host of things. And one of one of our panels, though, was about preemption and how, we're, how do we keep fighting this? How do, we, how do we keep trying? And, you know, we've got, like I said, an amazing police department here in the city. And um, Chief Tom Carroll and I are always speaking about these things and how we, how we can keep the city safer. But at the end of the day, you know, we've got a lot of work to do as a country and we've got to – got to figure out how to penetrate the the bubble that seems to be around some people in power that don't seem to feel empathy. I, that's the way, kind of one of the only ways I can explain it, that some of these folks in U.S. Senate, state legislatures, you know, range of, of elected office that could do things. I don't know if when they see those green converse, they just don't feel what I feel. I, I, it's hard for me it's hard for me to think that you could feel the way I feel and then vote to loosen gun restrictions. You and the other mayors haven't been shy about your frustration with the inability to supersede the state law on guns in different locations, you know, gun laws, whatever we want to call them. Uh, I've heard the frustration. It's not just you. I mean, you're with the mayors. You talk to them and, you know, you've got a pretty good sense of uh, do you run into any mayors? Do you talk to other mayors who are just okay with it? I Probably not, right? No, I, not really. And I certainly haven't. Um, maybe that, maybe they exist, but they aren't the same meetings and, and, and Zooms right. that I'm on. I, I mean, mayors are the ones that have to explain to the public what happened, right? So you can be a, a U.S. senator and, you know, not put any sort of federal restrictions and refuse to raise the age limit for buying an AR-15, you're not the one that they're calling to the mic if there's a shooting in your town, right? You can be Ted Cruz and go to Cancun or whatever, right? Mayors are the ones that are in their communities and they're the ones that have to answer. So I really think that being a mayor supersedes party in that way because we're, we become 
we also become the people that people blame when when things go wrong. And it's hard. I think you'd be hard pressed, probably find, but hard pressed to find many mayors out there who would like to to see you know, gun restrictions loosen and some of these things. I mean, it's just if you're the one that has to walk up to that microphone. It's not going to be like Yeah, you make a good point. The, the, our first phone call is you. If something terrible happens, uh, you name the... It doesn't have to be gun violence, but you're the one we're talking to. You're the you're the face of it. So you got to be able to, you know, talk to the people about what's going on in their communities. We're not calling the governor. I mean, sooner or later, we'll be talking to him, but it starts with you. It starts with the mayors. Yeah, so we... we I'm pretty partial to mayors. That's it for part one of our interview with Mayor Paige Cognetti. Come back next week to hear part two.